Welcome to Vision of Zion. This is episode number 16. The date is September the 12th, 2022. And my name is Craig Perry. Thanks for joining the program. I'm going to talk about some today that's really important. It's a topic that does not receive enough attention, I believe, among members of my church. I have seen it discussed in other churches a little more. It's an uncomfortable topic, potentially, for many of you, but it needs to be addressed. And as I promised at the early outset of these podcasts, I would try and cover topics that weren't getting uh, a lot of, uh, let's say, general attention that I think are very important. I want to start off with a story that happened to me when I was going to college. As I mentioned before, we have we minister to different members of our church we used to call it home teaching now we call it ministering same principle we visit families and individuals regularly we go to their homes and see how they're doing see if their needs are being met often we're called upon to give blessings to family members uh, encourage them to stay active and their scripture reading and prayers and exhort them to obedience and activity in the church. And it's a great way of strengthening members. Well, I was going to law school. I was single. Uh, I was assigned to a home teaching companion because we do this in pairs. And we got a phone call from a couple of women that were also, well, one was a student, one worked and lived with a a college student going to BYU. Anyway, we were called up one one day, one night, and we were asked to give uh, a blessing on the home. <clears throat> the reason we were given is because they felt there was a bad spirit in the home and they wanted us to cast it out. So I was in my, I'd say mid to late 20s. I was concerned by the call. I had never been asked to you know cast out a bad spirit or bless a home in that manner and it made me nervous uh, the only prior experience that i had had and it was limited was this goes back a ways but back in the 70s many of you might remember in 1973 a movie came out called the exorcist I was too young to watch it and I would never go watch that kind of a movie anyway, but there were people that I knew, even church members who who were of age and went and saw it and, and there was lots of talk at school about what was in the movie and it, I, it sounded disgusting to me and I didn't have any interest in talking about Satan or devils or any of that kind of stuff and casting out. So all, all I limited my exposure to was what was in the scriptures, which I thought was anomalous. I mean, there were a lot of things going on with Jesus's life where he was casting out uh, spirits. And there are some dramatic accounts in the New Testament. So this is my mindset when I'm being asked to go with my companion over to bless this home. I don't remember what time we went over there, but it was probably late or it was probably in the evening. I don't remember. It's not really relevant to the story, but we went over. Uh, 
and we knelt down i would say for me with fear and trepidation i didn't feel anything unusual in the house but uh, we knelt down and we blessed this home and what i remember about it i think i was the one giving the blessing because i remember the words i was uh, blessing the the house and its component parts i, I remember hearing giving dedicate dedicatory prayers on temples and they would bless the pipes and they would bless the walls and bless oh i don't know different systems that were in a in a in a temple and i found myself i remember during that first prayer of this nature uh praying f to bless the structure and and its uh its component parts and I don't remember, I, nothing dramatic happened. There was no uh, sound or, or evil spirit that I felt there, anything like that. But that was my first time that I was uh, asked to, to do something of that nature. Uh, and it was a good experience. I, since that time, became more familiar with the operations of adverse spirits and how Satan works and became more familiar with scriptural accounts and also thought back when I was a missionary a couple of times maybe three times walking up to a door and I remember two instances specifically one was in Latina one was in Rome but the Latino one was early on in my mission where we went to someone's house and we knocked on the door and someone answered and it was a very, very bad feeling coming from that house. We were invited in and we declined to not go in based on the feeling we had. It was just, you know, you're trying to get into homes and teach the gospel, but on this one occasion, uh, didn't feel good about going in and we actually thanked them and then excused ourselves and said, what was that? That was a terrible feeling coming from that home. Another time, many months later, a companion and I were knocking on doors and uh, a couple of very attractive women came to the door. And again, we introduced ourselves and, and we were invited to go in and we both just felt, no, this is, this is not good. And it was a bad feeling. What can I say? And we didn't go in. So I had a couple of instances where I felt something bad and discernment said, you know, don't, don't proceed. Um, this was the next experience I had with that. Well, I'm going to be talking about more about this. Uh, and I'm going to set it up by talking about it this way. Not many years ago, I had a Catholic friend over. We were talking about some experiences he had had and he had had some direct attacks by adverse spirits and i told him i think on one occasion i really don't want to talk about it because i thought it you know invited a bad spirit and he told me look you've got to give the devil his due and what he meant was you couldn't bury your head in the sand that we had to confront these you know evil influences and forces that were around us and to not talk about it was was bad and we needed to learn how to deal with it so 
these are just some examples of a very prevalent topic in the scriptures. I'm going to talk about Satan because he's the one who wants us to not think he exists. He likes to operate in the shadows. And where do we learn about Satan first in the scriptures? This is an adverse spiritual being. Well, we learn about it in the Bible. We have the serpent who was crafty. I've said he was more subtle than any other beast. Uh, the word subtle, I looked it up today. It means crafty or cunning. He convinced Eve that he, she wouldn't die if she ate the fruit. She shared it with her husband, Adam. And of course, they did die, become subject to death. That was a lie. And it goes on to say in Genesis chapter 3 that we would have the power to bruise his head. He would have the power to bruise our heel. Now, I'm going to talk about some of the subtleties of that language because the word bruise can also mean crush. So even though he can get us in the heel, we have the power through Jesus Christ to crush his head. There are other references in the Old Testament to the devil, to devils, usually in the context of uh, sacrificing, make, offering sacrifices to devils. I'm talking about Leviticus 17.7, Deuteronomy 32.17, Psalms 106.37, uh, Satan is, is named in Isaiah 14.12 as Lucifer, and we know more about him through what was been revealed to Joseph Smith. We don't have to go into those details now. What we can do is look to the New Testament, where after his baptism and after filling the Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ was left to be tempted of the devil. And he went through some very significant temptations, which he overcame. And then through his, out his ministry, he was called upon to cast out devils, as I mentioned, in dramatic fashion, evil spirits that were that came out of people and uh, that's why again there was some concern on my part and there were some casting out that the lord said couldn't be done except by you know, prayer and fasting it just didn't always happen easily uh, i have learned over the past few years that it's a really good exercise to, when we pray, and this is the part that's going to be maybe new for you, is to not be afraid, to not be shy about asking the Lord to clear the room or to cast out any adverse or neutral spirits that might be lingering and to invite the Holy Spirit to be present. One of the things that I do, which I've been told is an unusual practice, is when I give a blessing of healing or a blessing of comfort or whatever the blessing is that I'm being called upon to give to a family member or to another person is that I like to say a prayer. I like to say a prayer before I embark on a blessing and I invite the spirit. And if I don't feel the spirit is unrestrained, I will sometimes ask the Lord to cast out any adverse spirits. To be more specific, 
there's been occasions when I know that I'm under the influence of an adverse spirit because my spiritual acuity is being blocked. I'm unable to feel the Holy Spirit. And in those instances, I am not shy about raising my right arm to the square and just saying, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command all evil spirits to leave and to leave the space that I am occupying, to leave this room. And I invite the Holy Spirit to be present. And that sometimes that prayer needs to go on for more than a few seconds until I feel my brain and my spirit are in the right place and I'm not being influenced or blocked by the adversary. Now, I'm not shy about this, and it's because over the years I've gained confidence that it works. And even with my children, although I would say that not all my children accept this approach, but there have been many times when We've had a rebellious child or a child or, or uh, who is uh, being difficult. And I would say, or my wife would say, look, I think you got a bad spirit. Why don't you go upstairs and pray and get rid of it? And I've seen dramatic changes in my children's attitude when they willingly go and pray and deal with whatever appears to be just a bad attitude or a negative emotion. A lot of times I can tell you that it's really being caused by an adverse spirit that is lingering and they come down a completely different person than the person I excuse to go to their room. Now, I don't have to say that much anymore. My kids are grown. They understand the principle. Some have uh, embraced it and acknowledge it and some, some of my kids, a couple of my kids probably haven't, but I can testify that it works. Now, I'm going to talk about something else. I'm going to go a little deeper now, and I'm going to lay a foundation for this because there may be members of my church who think I'm going to go too far with this uh, with this instruction. But I want to refer to a very important talk. It was very important to me. In April of 2019, in our general conference sessions, one of those sessions, Elder David A. Bednar spoke. And he spoke about the church's shift to a church-supported, home-centered method of teaching the gospel, which has been very prevalent. And by the way, the timing was really good because it was right before COVID hit that we were practicing this and doing this. And so we were already kind of doing home study when COVID hit and we were not allowed to go to church for all of our meetings for a while. But this is what he says about temple instruction. Now, in our temple, there are many things that we talk about that I believe we can talk about, but we're we've been hesitant to do it. And there are critical um, lessons in there about casting out Satan from our presence, just the way I'm talking about right now. So for members of the church, I'm going to reinforce this with temple teachings. And for those who have never been to our temple, again, there's I think there's some things you can benefit from here. But I want to lay the foundation so you don't think that I'm speaking out of turn. This is what Elder Bednar said, quote, many church members are unsure about what appropriately can and cannot be said regarding the temple experience outside the temple. 
we should not disclose or describe the special symbols associated with the covenants we receive in sacred temple ceremonies. Neither should we discuss the holy information that we specifically promise in the temple not to reveal. All right, I'm, I'm going to be in keeping with those guidelines. I'm not going to talk about anything related to symbols or covenants, nor am I going to talk about information that we promise not to reveal. But what I am going to talk about is going back to the Garden of Eden. We know that and not only is it in the in the uh, book of Genesis, but we have another version of Adam and Eve in the garden that is uh, that is laid out in the temple ceremony. And when we don't just have Satan or the serpent, we have actually Satan is the one, Lucifer is the one who is tempting Eve to and and beguiling her to partake of the fruit. And when they find themselves naked and they make themselves aprons, uh, who comes but Elohim and Jehovah come to visit Adam and Eve, just like we see in the, uh, the account somewhat in the book of Genesis. And they, they question Eve, why did you eat the fruit? They ask Adam, why did you eat the fruit? And he says, because the woman that you told me to stay with me, uh, she took the fruit and if I don't take it, then you know, she'll be cast out and I'll be here left alone in the Garden of Eden. The Lord asks her why she takes it. She says, because this, the serpent beguiled me and I ate it. And then the Lord, now this is worth some new information. The Lord says, Satan, what are you doing here? Or Lucifer, what are you doing here? I, I've been doing that, which has been done before. What's that? Giving the fruit of the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil to them. And then the Lord curses him. And there's a confrontation between Satan or Lucifer and and Heavenly Father and Heavenly Father tells him to depart and he casts him out of the Garden of Eden. Now I could give more details but this whole presentation is about casting out. So the very beginning of our knowledge of how humanity came to this earth and how we came to multiply and replenish ourselves. This initial story begins with uh, God casting Satan out from our, our midst. Now later, after Adam and Eve are expelled from the garden for their transgression, uh, we have Satan around trying to tempt them and trying to get them to not pray or to pray to him. And we have visitors who come in the temple, we have visitors who come to see the man Adam and his wife Eve, and at one point they receive instructions to cast Satan out of their midst. Now, this is a symbolic representation of all of us, and so they, these three apostles, Peter, James, and John, come down, and in this account, they dismiss him without further argument. And they do it in the name of Jesus Christ, their master. And Peter raises his arm to the square and he casts out Satan. So, to my fellow saints of the church, I would say we have a very strong pattern, both temple and in the scriptures, that we can and should cast out Satan from our midst and not let him harbor 
or spend time with us. Now, remember in an earlier podcast, I spoke about how there is opposition, that as we advance and try and progress spiritually, that we will have opposition. And that is a fact. That opposition is a divinely appointed pattern. Jesus was not immune from this. Again, he gets baptized. The Holy Ghost descends upon him in the form of a dove. The Lord God says, this is my beloved son. Next thing we know, he's in the wilderness and he's left to be tempted. And there's this struggle. So I just want to bear my witness that Satan is real, that he serves a, a counterbalance and he serves a part of the opposition that we must experience in this life. And we are not required to spend time with him or to allow him or his angels to influence us. We have the right and the ability from day one to crush his head. Yes, he can bruise our heel. We can crush his head. And the person who can do that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our master. He has power, far greater powers than Satan. And we have the right to call upon the Lord and to ask him to remove Satan and his angels from our path. I hope that you will take this seriously and that you will think about if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling adverse or conflicting feelings, that you muster your faith and you call upon your Heavenly Father and in the name of Jesus Christ cast out any evil or adverse, sometimes I even say neutral spirits. I just say anybody not of the Father, anybody not sent from God, I want them out of my life and out of my area. I don't want them to be near or around me. And uh, I don't think there's a, any special set of words that have to be said. And in it, I've said it in many different ways, but I've always done it in the name of Jesus Christ. And sometimes raising my arm to the square is uh, reemphasizes the solemnity and the uh, magnitude of of the issue. Obviously, that's not always. Uh, it might be ostentatious on some occasions if you're in a public to to raise your arm to the square, your right arm to the square, but. Um, in those instances when you feel you need the extra um, emphasis or extra courage to do that, I recommend you do it. There are so many accounts of people who have cast out uh, spirits, and I, and I want to emphasize this one last thing. It's not as dramatic as the accounts that I read about in the New Testament. Um, you know, where spirits are talking back to Jesus and saying, send me into the swine if I have to go out of this man. Or my experience is that the result is not dramatic like that or like these movies, Hollywood movies, try and portray uh, satanic influences 
in my experience, it's it's uh, very quietly done. Uh, it's not dramatic, except in the way that I feel after I have uh, cast out. I really feel that casting out adverse spirits is completely missing in much of our society today as we see people in states of confusion and distress. I keep thinking about how much more society could benefit if we understood the power of God and that we don't have to let adverse or evil influences surround us, encompass us, influence us. We can take the situation by the horns. We can cast out in the name of Jesus Christ if we have the faith. And if we have to fast and pray a little bit longer to do it, it's worth the effort. There are people who will benefit from this teaching. I would encourage you to give it a try. And for members of the church that I belong to, if you don't think that this is a critical part of the gospel, I hope that you've seen that I've laid it out. It's clearly taught in our temple and in dramatic fashion too, I would say. Uh, these two examples in the temple of Satan being cast out, they're very dramatic examples. And once Satan leaves and is cast out, what can happen? teaching can begin. The gospel can be taught in the proper spirit and in the proper manner. So I leave this with you. I hope this has helped you. This has been one of the more important topics that I have been desiring to talk about and I felt today was the right time. Thank you for listening.